John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltickup. And this is the High Gain Podcast. So hi, Ed. What do we talk about, John? Uh, deserts. Yes. Old man pants. Guitars, John. Oh, guitars. Yeah. And where are you recording from? I am recording from beautiful West Seattle, Washington. Oh, love it up there. I love it. I'm in Palm Springs, California, John. What are you doing down there? I've been down here for almost two weeks, and I'm loving it. I don't want to go back. Are you fully old man now? Yeah, I'm pretty acclimated. But you know an exciting thing, John? <laughs> what? We have a guest. What? Are you there? Good day. <laughs> Hi, Nick. I'm here. <laughs> it's Nick Reinhardt from Disheveled Cuss. That's right. Yes. From Terramellos, maybe? Yeah, you got it. Death Grips? Yeah, did some of that. Sure. Nick Reinhardt, everybody. Where are you at, Nick? I'm sitting at my desk in Eagle Rock, California. It's a little overcast. I got a sweatshirt on, which is nice. Tell me about Eagle Rock. I don't know where that is. Eagle Rock is in Los Angeles, probably not too far from where you're at right now. Great. North of Highland Park, east of Glendale, west of Pasadena. So just right in the middle of uh, all that fun stuff. Probably easy access to all the highways. Yeah, like I do this thing where I've kind of like arranged my life to where I don't have to deal with the nightmare freeways. <laughs> There's a big wall and it's Yonder song. I wrote about that very thing, about having access to my favorite freeways. <laughs> you have a favorite? Yeah. Do you have a favorite, favorite freeway? Um. Yes, I think the two is probably my favorite. It's just like a really, really nice chill little drive never trafficy very very mellow and just trees and nature it's very cheery I'm a, I'm a big fan of the two this is great because we've been really talking about spinning the high gain off and just talking about roads <laughs> roads and freeways yeah so freeway talk <laughs> i love it 
<laughs> Have you ever noticed, Ed, that the Californians refer to the roads as the? The two? Yeah. Up here, we say I-5. Down there, they might say the five. Yeah. There's like an SNL skit, I believe, on this stupid conversation, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) This is what people tune in for. Every week, they just want to hear freeway talk. Right. (laughs) The last kind of geary podcast I did was a couple months ago with some British friends called the Music Nerds Podcast. Yep. And the first, like, 15 minutes, we were talking about shoes. And we just had like an identical conversation that we're having right now, but it was just about shoes. The CEO of New Balance is kind of a, I'm not the hugest fan, but. Yeah, I, I've I've heard. <laughs> it's like a gotcha. People like to get me with that. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I mean. I've got this thing where like made in America, I appreciate it. You know, there's a thing to it. But then you dig in and it's like, oh, and these guys are all just monsters. <laughs> it's a weird world we're living in. Really? Do you do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Beverages. Beverages. Oh, that was the one. That was uh, some Weezer for our good friend Nick Reinhardt. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. That's that one, four, five progression, huh? It's like a modified one, four, five. You mean like when you're doing a power chord on the A and the D string and you leave the E string in there? Yeah. What do you call that? It's a fifth. The lower fifth, right? Yeah. So it's like if you're playing an A. And you just go over to a D, but you leave your finger on the root. Right, right. That sound, whatever that is. I like that. When you're playing those chords on the A string, why would you not put that E in there? Come on. A lot of people do that on the open chords. Like if you're playing a C open, throw that G in there. Gives you that extra oomph. Yeah. Oomph. (laughs) Did you bring a beverage for us, Nick? Yeah, so I'm looking at two beverages right now. Two? Yeah, I got two LaCroix. I've got Limoncello, which is a new really fun flavor, kind of like a lemon vanilla sweet kind of thing, which I'm a big fan of. Yep. And then I've also got the cola-flavored LaCroix. Ooh. It's not an actual cola. It's sparkling water that has the flavor of cola, and it's very bizarre, like kind of unsettling at first when you take a sip of it, and then once you like understand its power, then you kind of acquire the taste and you become a big fan. So that's what I got going on. My lovely daughter, Claire Peterson, was just hyping the Lemoncello the other day. She's trying to convert me. It's great. The uh, CEO of LaCroix. Right. (laughs) He likes to grope pilots on private planes. Hmm. That's his deal. Allegedly. That's not very good. Allegedly. (laughs) Is there any massive corporation that doesn't have really massive issues like that? No. Any? (laughs) 
Bill Gates is allegedly tied to like the Jeff Epstein stuff. <sighs> it's a dark world. Yes, agreed. I didn't know if we could let the LaCroix talk go without. <laughs> like, sure, we should spread awareness. I've got a uh, highball energy drink. A what? Yeah, it's like zero calories, zero sugar, unsweetened, but then full of ginseng, caffeine, and guarna. So it's like a fucking crazy ass energy drink, but with no calories. Have you heard about that CEO? (laughs) Oh, no. This guy takes pugs. And he smashes their heads up against brick walls. It's insane. Many people are saying this. <laughs> the highball dude. It's all the caffeine. He just gets riled yeah. up. and yeah. Just kidding. But yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. What about you, John? I have a Los Angeles-based beverage in honor of Nick. I've got the Palm Wonderful stuff. This uh, particular flavor is pomegranate peach passion white tea hmm Ooh, passion i don't know what any of that means but apparently uh you know it's healthy nice i've got my additional backup coffee by the way i should say sounds like we're good to go tell me about dot tell me how she's doing dot is my seven-year-old pug and she's sleeping in her bed just behind me oh my gosh she's enjoying the cooler weather The Los Angeles summers are pretty gnarly for dogs that can't really breathe. (laughs) But yeah, she's very chill right now. Did you know my mom's name is Dot? Uh, No, but Dot is like a very senior citizen-like name. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I like old lady names for dogs. Shout out to the Dots. Dots. Yeah, especially if there's any young ones out there, you got to keep it alive. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine like a Gen Z dot? (laughs) That would be pretty cool. The best. I back that. Hey, John. Yeah. What kind of guitar were you playing there? Oh, (laughs) this guy. Ooh. This is the new paranormal series Squire Supersonic. Nice. Our new good friend, Nick Reinhardt. Yeah. He's got a Vista series Supersonic or two. I do. I have a Vista series supersonic or or four. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. There's four of the original colors, which were like the mid nineties Japanese made supersonics. There's a silver sparkle, a blue sparkle, a black and like an Olympic white. And that's just of the original series. And then, of course, there was the Pawn Shop reissue, right? which had some really cool colors for that series. And then now we got these two brand new ones. Which color did you get? The graphite or the blue? This one is ice blue. Nice. That was the one I've got my eye on. They've done this, viewers, three times. Nick mentions the Vista series. That was only around for like a year or so. 97, 98. They're crafted in Japan. Then they gave it another shot with the Pawn Shop series around 2012, 2013. Those were made in Mexico. And now the Paranormal series are trying it again. These are made in China. I feel like the hype around the Paranormal, like just this whole Squire line, I've just seen a lot more about them. People seem more excited about this. We got this one from our good friend Uncle Frank at Thunder Road Guitars, Ed. We love Uncle Frank. They're not shipping more of any of the Paranormal series, or most of them, till mid-July. I guess they need time to make some more. Well, let me give you a little background on this situation here. Ooh. So when the Pawn Shop series was released, 
I was obviously really excited. I think at that point I maybe had two of these guitars and I remember playing a venue in like, I don't know, upstate New York or something, or maybe Long Island. I don't remember, but the venue was attached to a music shop. And I remember being really excited because I had heard that the music shop had these new supersonics. So I was really excited to get through soundcheck and walk over to the, you know, the music store to try them out. And I sat down, I grabbed an orange one off the wall and was very disappointed. Ooh, why? The neck profile and shape just felt weird. And just holding the guitar in general, there was just something that was like not magical about it. But in particular, this one just was not my thing. And I was just bummed on it and never even pursued trying to get one again after that. Huh. So fast forward. Maybe almost two years ago now, I got to be friends with people at Fender, which still blows my mind uh, and can go to the building and visit and hang out. Have a sandwich. (laughs) A good sandwich. (laughs) Love it. We started having a conversation about like, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing the Supersonic again under the Squire name. Would you have any interest in like helping us out? with it to which i was like oh my god of course so i helped with it i didn't do a lot but they definitely asked me to bring in some of my supersonics i brought in two and i was just like look the thing is it's the neck shape the feel of the body and the neck shape that's so crucial in order to make this like a guitar that doesn't get canned after a year again right right i played a couple of prototypes here and there i feel like they got them really really good I have not actually seen a finalized guitar. John, on the back of it, on the neck plate, is that where the strap button is? It is. Okay. The neck plate for the viewers is uh, trapezoidal, and there are four screws. The upper right screw is actually a strap button. Nice. You have to have the button there because it's about the balance of the guitar. So that was like one thing, you know, like, hey, get the strap button where it's supposed to be. And then this is like a really nerdy who cares thing. But maybe people would care if they had thought about this. Is the pickup selector oriented to go left and right versus up and down? It is. And I noticed today when I was getting ready to do this, I have a habit of playing and I'll just smack that thing and it didn't go down. And that's when I noticed it goes left to right instead of up and down. That's what happened to me when I got my first supersonic. So what I started doing to all of them is not like this is some crazy mod. I would just unscrew it and get it to where they were oriented to go left to right because my hand would always come down and whack it. So that was just like a little thing that I was like, hey, it'd be cool if you could just have them manufactured to go left to right, you know, not up and down. Just that. That's awesome. Yeah. I notice also the neck plate on the back is flush to the body. That's cool. I'm looking at one of mine right now, and the originals are like that as well. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. By the way, this guitar, I'm looking at it on the website, is $350. That's insane. Yeah. Like, I can't believe they can make guitars that cheap. Let's play that game, everybody. When uh, Supersonic originally came out, how much do you think it was in 1997 dollars? I'm going to say the Supersonic was probably $599. Ed? I'm going to go 450. It was 699.99. Wow. And for those of you playing at home, that's $1,118 in today dollars. Wow. Wow. Crazy. And as if that wasn't weird enough, at the time you had to pay an extra 100 bucks uh, if you wanted a sparkle finish. Interesting. Oh. So 800 bucks if you want a sparkly boy. 
That's how much my first Supersonic was. It was $800 at a U-Shop for my Blue Sparkle. And when I got it, it was like brand new. It was like it had never even been touched. It was wild. So I was basically just buying it, you know, like it was 1996 or whatever, like brand new from the store. When you bought it, did you care about any like configuration thing where you just went like, I've always wanted two humbuckers or was it all just like, this thing's weird? I've tried to make sense of what my reaction to this guitar was. I saw it was at this place called Skip's Music in Sacramento, and it was just sitting there on a stand. And I was just confused by it. I'm like, what is this thing? I've never seen this before. Like the supersonic, it's like a weird backwards kind of offset jazz master jag kind of thing. And I really didn't care about it at all, but I took a picture of it because I wanted to show it to my girlfriend when I got home. Like, look at this weird thing I saw. And then I just kept like looking at that photo over like the next couple of days, just like complaining about it. Like, I don't get it. Why would they do that? <laughs> bastards this just doesn't make any sense and then i soon realized like oh wait it's not that i don't like this guitar it's that i really like this guitar i can't stop thinking about it and i gotta go get it yeah the thing that kind of weirded me out about it was that it was two volume knobs there's not a tone knob on that thing yeah right let's uh do the thing we do with the extremes so if i go uh extreme neck ed yeah Basie. Yeah, kind of kind of basular. Let's see if we go extreme bridge. Trebly. Pretty trebly. So anybody who's wondering what the range is, there you go. Wait, on the first one that was extreme what were you on? What was the setting there? Neck pickup extreme bassy. But when you say extreme bassiness, what it what do you mean by that? I would normally say tone rolled all the way back. That's why I'm asking. In this case, it's just the neck pickup, and I'm playing it more neck forward. Got it. The reason I asked that is because when you strum that, I was like, whoa, that sounds like a guitar with a uh, tone knob on it, but it's all in the hands, baby. These hands, Ed, they're magic. Lethal weapons, those hands of yours, John. Yeah, you got to watch out. The thing about that guitar and configuration and all that is like, to me, that's like a rock guitar. Yeah, there's tonal options, but, you know, it's dual humbuckers and it's just a loud, really good guitar for like playing rock music, like a Gibson SG or something that you just associate with rock. Right. There's really not that many classic fenders that are just like that. Two humbuckers, rock. Only the deluxe. Right. Every time I see two humbuckers on a fender, I get a little pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> It just feels blasphemous, like older melody makers with that really crappy Gibson single coil. What are you doing? Like, you guys know how to make these single coil things fender, and Gibson knows how to make, you know. Yeah, I see it. It's like a subconscious thing, but it's like, oh, yeah, Nirvana, Kurt's, you know, Jag with right. dropped in humbuckers. Right. Loud and feedback. So maybe that's another thing that I'm drawn to with that guitar. And again, just the fact that you can get that guitar new. I mean, I'm just like looking on their website. It just straight up says $349.99. Yep. Like if they don't give me one, I'll just buy one. Yeah. <laughs> 
the supersonic is it all over the disheveled cuss album yeah so my supersonics have just been like my mainstay guitar especially if it's rock related you know if i was doing any studio recording or even a lot of times shows it's like cool bring a supersonic because it's that's how you get that sound yeah disheveled cuss record i used supersonics and then i was like this song and this song is a jazz master song it's funny because a lot of the music that I play is largely like distorted in some way. You know what I mean? Yep. So a lot of times I feel like the single coil versus humbucker thing kind of goes out the window when you get enough gain going and then you're mixing it to sound a certain way. You know, it's kind of interchangeable at that point. Right. Yeah. The reason I asked was because there's definitely a tonal range on the album. I was pretty sure it's not all the same guitar. Right. That makes perfect sense that someone would pick up on that because it's true. You know, I was very specific with what I wanted the guitar tone to be for that record. The influences of this album are pretty apparent. Right. You made an album that sounds like a time. Right. Did you go look at like, hey, how did they do that? Or were you able to just pull it off? You know, I don't think it was so much of a conscious, let me think about who was doing what. More just that that's what I like. Yeah. And that's what I feel like such a big part of my musical spirit is. It's more of like a subconscious thing. You know what I mean? Totally. I think that makes complete sense. When people are deliberately kind of copying something from an influence, it sounds one way. But when somebody has internalized an influence over years or over some kind of formation, they're more able to make something completely new. And that's the sense I get from this. I can hear those influences, but it feels like, well, this is just kind of what he's about. That makes me happy to hear because I've come across this a couple of times in interviews or press release quotes or something like the 90s thing, the 90s thing. And that's probably cringy to some people. I am nostalgic for it. And that's like a weird word to use. I grew up in that era. And when I was 11 and 12 years old, I heard Nirvana and I can remember like driving to the beach and listening to like Smashing Pumpkins on the radio. Right. That's in my DNA. Those like really, really formative years when like you start connecting to music. In all of my musical history over the last 15 years, I haven't really been able to properly represent that part of my musical personality. You could sneak it in here or there and you kind of like mutate it to do certain things. But like that more pure version of this part of my musical soul didn't have proper representation, I feel like. So it was really nice to be like, oh, I want to commit this band and this record to paying tribute to all the stuff that I still listen to, the aesthetic of everything. Like that's such a big part of my personality. I can totally hear it and it doesn't sound forced or copped to me. I'm listening to something where I can hear all that, but it sounds completely new and fresh at the same time. For me, it sounds like a summer album. It just feels perfect. It might also be that I'm in Palm Springs right now and <laughs> <laughs> like listening to it in Southern California in the summer. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, I just kind of naturally do that with a lot of things. I almost have to work harder to not write and record summery feeling music because, you know, I like a mid-rangey guitar tone, which kind of just by default maybe feels a little more happy to me. I really like vocal harmonies. I love a major third. Right. All these little things are just, I guess, summery feeling. Lyrically, it's not a summer album. <laughs> I don't know. No. Like, right. I don't know the Nick Reinhardt, but it feels like super autobiographical you know like are you okay nick <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know 
It is. It's the first time I've expressed those sorts of things through music and lyrics. So yeah, that's a valid thing to pick up on. And I would be less okay if I wasn't able to express those things. But yeah, I'm I'm good. It's not like Brian Wilson during his like really, really dark era. It's not that. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things where you hear it and the song has this fairly happy summary kind of thing. And then you pay attention to the lyrics and it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, that's not what I sort of expected. I do love the contrast between quote unquote happy sounding music. And then you can offset it with certain words or phrases that like give it an interesting contrast to it. I just think that's like a cool thing. And then I'll also, you like stack this kind of phrase up with really beautiful sounding harmonies. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, it's almost confusing. Yeah. Right. How am I supposed to feel, you know, listening to this? I think that's a cool thing. It almost takes a simple pop rock idea and like gives it this weird interactive element where you actually have to think about it or consider how you're feeling. That's a cool thing. John played his supersonic a little bit. You have a uh, favorite sweet, sweet, tasty lick off the album. Can we hear the original supersonic? Yeah. I've got my silver supersonic here plugged in going through a Mustang GTX Fender amp, which are very cool amps that just have XLR straight out of the back. So that's the super light modeling kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's a modeling amp. It is very light. And I've been using these at home for recording and writing. And actually, I've even played shows with them, but they're really cool. Listen to this direct sound. Wow. It's like a perfectly mic'd guitar amp. Totally. That is modeling a, let me look real quick. It's modeling, that's modeling a blues junior, a cranked blues junior. Yeah. A favorite riff. Do you have a riff? I know I love the chorus on Shut Up. That's not really like a lick thing. No, that is. Well, what is a lick? This is like a lick, right? That's like a lick. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) The chorus on Shut Up. Yeah, okay. I really, really like that chorus chord progression. trying to think of how I did the B7 because there was something really oh oh maybe it's maybe it's how I picked it so no wait see it's funny because okay remember how we were talking about the power chord thing in the beginning by doing this with using that little that lower the E in there right yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. there's all the nuances of how you play guitar parts, right? Because this chorus could really just be like this. That's the foundational thing. So I've always been really fascinated with taking these like simple, simple guitar parts and trying to make them interesting. So when I'm going through it right now and playing it, I'm like, oh, wait, there's a few nuances that I'm missing that I can't remember exactly how I did, but it's really close to... Yeah, it's that's it's just that. 
that's probably one of my favorite chord progressions on the record, actually. It's one of those ones where I just like, wait, what's that? <laughs> like, yeah, it popped out. Yeah, to me, that was kind of like squeeze, replacements Ooh. sounding kind of thing. What was the vibe on She's Odd in terms of those influences? Also, really good example of a super simple chord progression and trying to figure out a way to like make it interesting, which is just G, E, C, G, right? Like basic. It's really that. And I remember working on that in 2006. Like that's a guitar if that's been sitting around for that long. So taking that chord progression and going like... So it's like the subtle nuances of tweaking chords or having notes over the top of it, you know, to just give it more personality and character. Switching gears just a little bit. Switch to those gears. Pedals on this album and then just pedals in general. It feels like maybe because of the pandemic, there haven't been a lot of things that have jumped out at me in the last six months. Has anything jumped out at you? Um... I did recently get the new Red Panda Context, the Context 2, which is an update on the reverb, and it's awesome. Yeah? Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot that I've crossed paths with that has like really stuck me out. You know the Mantic guys, Mantic Conceptual? They make pedals. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a top secret thing those guys sent me that is a prototype that they wanted some feedback on. I don't even want to say what variety of effect it is, but it's really, really cool. Have you seen that Chase Bliss and Maris are doing um, reverb? That's right. The next slider form factor is going to be a mashup with Maris and Chase Bliss. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be really cool. Yep. That slider thing is so neat. It's more of like a desktop pedal. We asked Joel about that, and he said that they engineered the tolerance to be so tight on those sliders that he said you could stomp on them all day. And what's more, if you happen to just have your foot like resting there, so your foot is blocking the movement of the slider, it will still do what it's supposed to do, just the sliders will stop. Got it. Neat. So it's not like you're going to defeat the purpose of the pedal if you happen to block a slider. It feels industrial. It feels like a fucking tank. Sweet. My worry about it was exactly yours. And I think he fully acknowledges that's everyone's worry, but <laughs> he wants to see it on boards. That's good to know. Yeah. It's a nice sounding guitar. It's way nicer than I thought it was going to be for a popular body. Tonewood, Ed. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't really know shit about like woods, honestly. <laughs> That's me. I'm just like, what? Who cares? <laughs> How much does it weigh and what color is it? That's all I care about. You know, in the genre of playing with pedals and fuzzes and distortions and all that, I feel like whatever subtleties that come with different wood maybe kind of end up getting lost. When you release your Blues Dad album, you're going to be very invested in the wood. Until then, don't worry about it. <laughs>
So you do the pedals and effects and how's Juan doing? Yeah. So you can follow his Instagram or his uh, wife's Instagram, I know, has been made public. I think her name's Tuna Toast on there and she's one of my closest friends and she's good with the updates. Uh, Juan's on his way. You know, I feel like if you're not familiar with what a traumatic brain injury is, there's so many things that that could like mean. Yeah. You do a little research and then you see like a video or you read an update about one. You're like, oh, okay, I I understand. Like, you know, he's relearning to walk. That's a big thing. Right. But like he's in good spirits and he's working hard to come back to, you know, doing what he was doing. Yeah. It's very inspiring. He's doing a great job. You know, coming out of a coma, it's not just like you pop out of a coma and you're like, whoa, that was crazy. What's happening? Like, what? there's a pandemic going on? It's not like that. It's like baby steps. You know what I mean? But he's doing good. He's on his way back and it's still a long road ahead, but it's all positive stuff. Shout out. Shout out to Juan. Yeah, big time. You're doing guitar lessons as well. Doing guitar lessons for some supplemental income. Yeah. If anyone listening to this is interested, I'm still taking some. Uh, it's just uh, Nick Reinhardt guitar lessons at gmail.com. I just do them through video chat or whatever. But my first thing that I go over is like, I'm not a guitar teacher. You probably know that. But if you're interested in my approach to playing guitar or writing or practicing or pedals or whatever, I'm happy to talk about that with you. But like, let's just get one thing clear. I don't really know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you can just find one little thing in any given lesson, if you can just walk away with one nugget that you can incorporate into your playing, done. Whatever the cost of that was, it's probably worth it if it's something that you can like grow from. Yeah. I want people to come out of those guitar lessons with what we're talking about. Something cool that they learn and can take away from it. My biggest fear is someone being like, what the fuck? I just paid for that. What was that? (laughs) Yeah. You know? So I always tell people that I want you to get what you want out of this. So the more specific you are about what you're looking for, the better, because I want to provide you with that, but let's do this the right way. You know, shoot me an email. Cool. Tell us that email again. Yeah. Nick Reinhardt, guitar lessons at gmail.com. How do we do JFK? I think we did pretty good. How do you think we did? C plus. (laughs) C plus. Nick. I would give this. N A. That's an A. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. We did it. It's definitely not an F. Those are chords <laughs> on a guitar. Right. Hey, John, where can people find more of our stuff? Well, we have a website. Okay. Thehighgain.com. Sure. You can find out about all the episodes and read all the show notes and be fascinated by our uh, intake of beverages. (laughs) Beverages and guitar pedals. Facebook. Twitter. Instagram. Do you have a Pinterest account, Nick? No. (laughs) You know who uh, loves it? My mom and John Kilteca. Dot and John. Nice. (laughs) They're suckers for the Pinterest. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, and we're also on patreon.com slash the high gang. Nick Reinhardt, we really need to thank you for showing up uh, for our brand of, I don't know what this is. (laughs) This thing. Discussion. Thank you very, very much for having me. Well, I think we did it, John. Yeah, I think we did it too. Great work. Cool. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 